Welcome back, everyone. I'm Sarah Peck, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be back at this microphone. We are back from summer vacation. If you didn't catch the last episode, one of the things that we did this year is we took August off. We took a break for almost five weeks now, and I am back. We spent a lovely sabbatical as a family. I can tell you a little bit more about that as we get into today's episode. But also, I want to talk a little bit about what is coming up next for the podcast and the journey that I've been on in thinking about what we're building, why we're building it, and really whether or not to continue doing something. Every entrepreneur I know faces this puzzle of, I've built something for a year or for two years or for four years. How do I know whether or not I should keep going, whether or not I should pivot, or what's the next right move? I have been thinking of big questions. I have been inside of the dip just like every other entrepreneur that I know. I am so grateful that I took time off to reflect as well because I feel great about continuing. But I want to take you inside of my process and let you see some of these big questions that I've been asking. And also, I've got some questions for you. I would love to know what you think. So let's dig into today's episode. I am so excited that Splendid Spoon is one of our newest sponsors of the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Splendid Spoon. They are a meal delivery service that has been really wonderful during my postpartum time after baby number two. As you know, one of the things that can be really hard for new moms is finding enough high quality, good, nutritious, nutrient dense foods to eat when you're super hungry and you have a new baby in your household. Seriously, for me, I put the baby down, I run to the kitchen, I open my fridge, and then I see that everything I bought has to be prepared. And I just, I don't even have time to chop things up, let alone like make it to the bathroom, take a shower, whatever all the things are that have to be done. So then I end up opening my cabinet and on a good day, I'm snacking on seaweed snacks and some salted nuts. But honestly, I grab anything and then it turns out I've eaten like five bags of potato chips that day and nothing else. That's why I was really happy when Splendid Spoon reached out about being a referral partner. They make soups and smoothies that are ready to eat, nutrient dense, and plant based. Startup pregnant listeners get $50 off their first delivery when you use the link splendid.to slash startup pregnant. That's splendid.to slash startup pregnant. I will put the link in the show notes so that you can get $50 off of your first week of delivery. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. So first, I want to tell you a little bit about this big month of August that we got to take as a family. My partner and I take the month of August off. We have implemented a family sabbatical, and he negotiated an 11-month work year with his employer. And because I am the designer and creator of my business, I have been following suit. We actually had this implemented in the very beginning when we, about four years ago, when we were first thinking about having children, but we used the first break with our first child. And then we used our third break with our second child. So we've now done this twice. We did it once two years ago, and then again this year. We 
put down our pencils, we close our laptops, and we go off of social media and we delete a whole bunch of apps from our phones for the month of August. We spent a couple weeks just exploring New York City where we live, and we went out to museums and beaches and swimming pools and parks and playgrounds. And it was really cool. And now that we have a three-year-old, the museums are even so much more fun because you get to see the world through their eyes and actually have time to answer a billion questions. We took them out of daycare for most of the month. We kept them in daycare just twice a month, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so my husband and I got a few vacation days in there, at least from eight to five-ish. And On those days, we went to work out together and then read some books and actually watched a little bit of Veronica Mars, which was fun. That's our current television show. Having the time and the feeling of summer vacation has been liberating. It has felt so good. It has felt alive. And it also reminds me of where we are in space and time. For me, taking a break can feel really hard to do. I don't always want to do it. I love the work that I do. I always have more ideas that I want to write about. I always have more things that I want to create. But if I'm being honest about how I felt in the middle of this year, I was really starting to feel overwhelmed, a little bit burned out, tired, and in need of some rest. And I didn't quite know what to stop or how to stop because there was so much that I needed to do. And having this built-in structure that my partner champions so much has been really helpful for me in particular. The way that we do it is we each check in with our respective work on Wednesdays. Once a week, we have a day where we go in, scan email, delete the things that don't matter, but just look for anything that's really, you know, a bill that needs to be paid or your account will be closed down or like a notification from the daycare. We check, we triage, and then we get out of there. I took the entire month off of social media. So No LinkedIn, no Twitter, no Facebook, no Instagram. And I've run this experiment several years in a row now. I've written about it for Harvard Business Review about the four different ways I've conducted social media sabbaticals and experiments to see how my behavior changes as a result and what I've learned about what's good for me as a human. And one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is periodically taking breaks is one of the most important things I can do because it helps me reset step away, like filter everything out and see what's noise and what's important to me. So I try to do that at least once a year, if not periodically, every week, like on the weekends, I try to set my phone down for half a day to a day just to be able to step away and not be so addicted to my devices and the FOMO culture of social media. So Instagram was easy this month. I stepped away and I didn't touch it. I didn't even re-download the app until September like 4th, I think. It just, once I was gone, I was gone. And it saves so much time when you're not looking through all of those updates from all of those people who I like. I like the people I follow and I like knowing their updates, but sometimes you need a break. Facebook was harder for me. I remember I checked it. It was a couple of times. It was 8 p.m. at night and I went on and I just typed it into Safari on my phone and I looked and I read for like half an hour and I was like, this oddly helps me go to sleep. There's something about like reading mindlessly that 
calms me down and settles me down. And I like just catching up with my friends. And so I learned that there was a bit of a bucket of social connection that wasn't being completely filled for me. Like I could have used more in-person conversations or peer-to-peer adult conversations, not conversations about children, not conversations about parenting, not logistic conversations at work, but like the conversations that you get to have with friends. And usually when that bucket is not full enough, that's when I turn to social media to try to fill it up. And it's not quite the same. It doesn't really work. So I didn't successfully do an entire break, but I did a darn close good job. I think on total, I was keeping track. It was like nine or 10 times that I ended up looking at Facebook. A couple of times I helped some friends, which that's probably my favorite part. Facebook is like, I love answering people's questions and helping. I have to curb that impulse and channel it into podcasting and blog writing because I have learned over time as an entrepreneur that me going onto Facebook and one by one answering tons of people's questions is not scalable or efficient, nor compensated in the way that I want my business to be designed. So when I use Facebook now, I have learned over the years that I go and I find a whole bunch of ways that I want to be helpful. And then I turn those into blog posts. So I use it as a content creation space for thinking and generating new ideas. And I try my best to limit my Facebook day to Friday. So it's like I treat it like a happy hour and I go on Facebook. I have a calendar invitation for myself for two hours just to be able to go and welcome all the new members to the Startup Pregnant Facebook group and schedule out the questions that I want to ask and then go to my favorite groups and memberships that I'm a part of and talk to a whole bunch of people. And then I like scroll and then I put it back onto Newsfeed Eradicator and I don't do Monday through Thursday and I take a day off on the weekend. So all in all, the month we had to take a break was deeply restorative. It was wonderful to connect with the kiddos. It was still... The ratio of parenting to vacation time was like, you know, 10,000 to one. So I could use a few more points in the vacation column. And I'm, you know, we all are, right? Like full, full, full on that parenting column. Love my children so much. And I love time to myself. I want time to myself. And I want to be able to date my partner more and spend more time with him by himself, not with the children around. Joint parenting is not partner quality time in that way. There's too many other noises going on. But it was wonderful. And I'm looking forward to a probably a solo vacation and a partner vacation coming up. Got to bake those into the calendar. But for now, I think that's it for the highlights of the August summer vacation. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about what's coming up next for Startup Pregnant for the podcast and for you. So what's next? Where do we go from here? This is such an amazing question. And I love asking it because every six months, every 12 months, every two years, in so many points in our life, we can ask the question, what's next? Where are we going? Where are we headed? Even if we get what seems like the perfect job or the perfect situation, or we find out that we're pregnant or things are starting to go right There still is life and life moves and life's changes. And then you can wake up six months, 12 months, however many months down the line and say, well, here we are again. Where do we go from here? This question has been on my mind a lot lately. I have been asking myself a tremendous amount, what's next for Startup Pregnant? Where is this podcast going to go? Where have we been? What do we want? What are we building? 
And on my mind are a lot of questions that might make you nervous or you may identify with as a listener. One of the biggest questions that I have, and I'm not afraid of this question, and I'm going to unpack it today on this episode, is should we keep going with this podcast? Should we keep making this podcast? And is this podcast relevant and useful and helpful, not just in its history, what it's done over the last two years, but what can it do next? What will we do over the next year or two years or four years to continue making highly relevant, really useful, and really supportive content for people who are in the Startup Pregnant community and who find their way to the Startup Pregnant audience? So one of my favorite ways to ask the question, what's next, is to actually start with a different question. And that is, where did we come from? Where have we been? And what have we done so far? And so I thought I would take a little bit of time to walk us through some of the history of this podcast and kind of go back a little bit down memory lane, if you will, and kind of go into like, where have we been? What have we been doing? What's happened? I find that especially as parents and as entrepreneurs, taking those small moments to reflect and taking the time to take stock of what you've already done and where you've already been can be, first of all, in limited supply. It can be hard to find time to reflect and look back. But then also, it can be so incredibly useful. Like It can be such a repository of information and insight when you look back and you go, holy moly, wow, that is what's happened or this is how much has changed over the last year. So as of this fall, it will be two years of this podcast. We launched in September 2017. My first kid was just over a little one years old, and he was like one year and a quarter. I think we were counting in months at that point. And we were in conversations, my husband and I were in conversations about whether or not we wanted to add a second kid to our family and start the try-in and when we would start trying and whether or not we would have a second kid or whether or not we were going to stop at one. The podcast launched, it was September 26th, 2017, and we launched four episodes. And then in quick succession, we added a couple new ones. I think I had eight episodes recorded before I went live. And it was funny, I (laughs) tried to set it all up and do it all right. And like, I read all this research about how to launch a podcast. And then I clicked the wrong button and I accidentally published it and the podcast went out. And I had meant, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, I meant to do it in October. But what ended up happening was it just went live. And I was like, well, there we go. We're live. Okay, now what do we do? Let's keep going. The podcast began not as a podcast, actually. It began as a research project to accompany a book that I thought I was writing. I was putting together a book proposal called Startup Pregnant, and it it didn't become anything, at least not yet. And I worked for quite a long time on that proposal, five or six months on one of the drafts and then several more months. It ended up being about two years. And one of the insights or aha moments I had was that I wanted to tell more than just my story. Like I was having a really hard time just dealing with my stories in the tech world and in the pregnancy. My pregnancy experience was not enough by any stretch of the imagination to encompass the ideas that I wanted to talk about. And so I knew, we knew that we needed more voices in the conversation. And I thought, well, why don't we interview more people? The agent that I was working with at the the same time says, maybe you can get some other voices in this. So I thought, oh, when I do these interviews, what if I do them 
as a podcast. And, you know, if we get really into the weeds here, when I first started doing the interviews, I did them just by text back and forth. And then I started recording them and doing them by Skype, but with call recorder for Skype. And then I realized I was doing something similar to a podcast. And I thought it would be more efficient to start a podcast and capture all of these interviews and share them as I was was doing them in some form or another. Well, it was <laughs> the story it just keeps unfolding which is my experience of life is that it is a great unfolding in many respects it's not about knowing the plan in advance but it's about dancing with the things as they unfold and plans are great i think we should make them i think they give us a ton of insight and wisdom they help give us a navigation point a compass a wayfinding device but when you're out to sea and you're trying to go in a direction and you realize that there's an island in the way or that there's a storm brewing, you don't just keep plowing through the storm necessarily. You might make adjustments and navigate accordingly based on the real life situations that come up. So this is actually one of our core values at Startup Pregnant, which is that plans are great, make the plans, and life rarely goes according to plan. So you have to dance with it. So in my dance with this great unfolding that is the Startup Pregnant Project and Business, and maybe book, right? Or many, many books is we ended up starting the podcast. And I said, you know, I'm the mom to a one-year-old. I can't take on more unpaid work. I can't take on any other side projects. I have very limited time. And I'm staring down the barrel of getting pregnant again, which means my time will become even more limited. So I've got to find a way to make this worth it something that I want to do, but also financially viable. So I reached out and I got sponsors. And we got sponsors for the first year relatively easily, which surprised me. Surprised me. Surprised everyone, I suppose. (laughs) But it just, it was a big surprise. And I said, oh, honey, you know what? I think we have stumbled into starting another business. I tend to have a bad habit of doing that. I was originally going to do 100 interviews and 100 episodes. But Throughout the course of making the podcast, I experimented a lot with the format and the cadence. And sometimes I went two times per week, which was way too many. And then other times I went once a week. And we finally settled in on Mondays at 5.30 a.m. as the consistent weekly delivery. Throughout all of this, I have really loved learning about long-form interviews and getting to learn and implement techniques for having people open up and share their story. I was particularly interested in finding guests who have a body of research, as well as people who maybe hadn't told their story before, because I think there's a really interesting intersection of people who have platforms and work and expertise to offer, but also the expertise of the individual story. The fact that we are all united in these different yet similar and overlapping stories, and that when you begin to listen to lots of different stories of the parenting journey, you start to see how vast and complex and what a Pandora's box it is, and how many different themes we come back to when we start to tell real, honest, and true stories of this nature, themes around life and death and about living lives with purpose and meaning, and what it means to connect to one another and what it means to teach both ourselves and our children and our future generations. These are not small conversations. 
Now, I really loved interviewing people who weren't professional storytellers necessarily or public speakers, but people who are living lives and working and parenting because telling your story by audio can be so hard. And it is a particularly unique challenge as an interviewer to make someone feel comfortable enough to open up and share and to tell a great story. So this has been just the biggest learning journey for me. I have learned so much from so many of the best people just by witnessing and reading and studying Krista Tippett and Seth Godin and Chris Voss and Tara Moore and so many others who have inspired and influenced me on this. Oh, and also Michael Bungay-Stanier has an incredible book about coaching and about asking questions and Jenny Blake. All of these people have written or produced materials that I've listened to and studied from, and I use it all to produce my own content. I do want to give a shout out to Jenny Blake because I think that we have had one conversation in real life each year. We maybe talk to each other once a year, but I feel like our podcasts talk to each other. If I don't know if you're going to think that's totally strange or not. I think Jenny will actually understand this. I feel like our podcasts talk to each other because I listen to so many of her episodes and I know that she listens to my podcast and I feel like we get to talk on a much deeper level than if we were to try to just meet up in person at a dinner party and we don't ever talk in real life. So Jenny, hi, if you're listening. So fast forward to the second year of podcasting. We completed the first year. I learned so much. I, it was like a very steep learning curve, but an amazing one. And how to produce audio content, how to put myself out there, what it was like to show up for a weekly show, how much time it really takes, what it's like to get great interviews. I did a number of interviews that weren't that great. And I had to self-analyze and ask myself why, like what could I change as an interviewer and what could I do better to get better stories? And did I make people feel comfortable? Did I allow space? Were we in a rush? There are so many things that I learned. So fast forward to the second year of podcasting. I got pregnant in 2018, and I felt like I had a better handle on what was coming. So I wanted to better prepare. This would be my second pregnancy and my second baby. At least that was the assumption. And I wanted to plan ahead for a potential full-term pregnancy and look down at the year coming and say, okay, how can I plan ahead knowing what I know now about pregnancy that I didn't know before, knowing what I know now about my body that I didn't know before, and knowing that there's so much that I just can't know. We're just going into this and we're going to have to learn as we go. So I created my plan to do less in business, to stop doing it all and cut my business adventures in half. And I wrote up a guide all about how I did it. And you can get it at startuppregnant.com slash stop. The guide is called how to stop doing it all. Because what I did at the beginning of 2018, I sat down and I looked at the year ahead and very conveniently for a type A person like myself, I got pregnant on January 1st. 2018. (laughs) So my trimesters and the quarters of the calendar year were exactly aligned. So I had 13 weeks of the first quarter. Q1 was the 13 weeks of my first trimester. 13 weeks of Q2 was the second trimester. 13 weeks of Q3 was the third trimester. So down to the nuts and bolts, I was able to plan with relative aplomb because I could say, okay, first trimester, I was useless. So let's set really, really small goals for Q1. Second trimester, I may have a little bit of energy. Let's set like 60 to 
80% goals for Q2. And third trimester, let's set 40% goals. And then fourth trimester, I ideally would have a baby and I'd be completely off. And I said, let's set 10% goals because I also know myself in that I wouldn't completely stop. That's also really hard for me to do. So I wrote this whole guide. I wrote this whole plan. People have downloaded it at startuppregnant.com slash stop, how to stop doing it all. And it's been a really useful tool and instrument for so many people that I work with and has actually influenced a lot of my philosophy around the fact that we all simply do too much. We take on too much and we are scared of making hard decisions. It's easier to say yes to two things than to really pick and decide what one thing it is that you want to do. The reason for that is because to decide means to cut something off or to let something go. It means to kill off the second option and it feels safer and easier to not have to make a decision. So we go into things like business and life choices and we say, well, I'm just going to do it all. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do both. I'm going to yes and, I'm going to yes and everything. And that's convenient for a time until you run out of time and energy and space and you become so burdened by the decision to not make decisions that you cannot finish things. And being unable to finish or complete things is more detrimental than the choice to try to do it all. There comes a point when having more systems or more productivity or more efficiency or the right tools isn't actually the answer. The answer that really has to happen is that we have to say no. We have to say no to so many things. In fact, we maybe can only do a handful of things in our life. And so by having to decide, by having to choose, it's painful, but so liberating and so freeing. That was a huge lesson for me in my second pregnancy and in going into running a business while being pregnant. So despite having a plan for doing less and a system that really helped serve me, I did make a couple of fumbles that I learned by doing. I wanted to set up content while I was gone on maternity leave. And so I pushed really hard to do double interviews. And we ended up getting six months of content recorded in advance. I did a ton of interviewing in 2018, which was good. I did it early in 2018 because I hit an incredible wall in my third trimester. When I got to about 32 weeks with my second pregnancy, I just completely hit a massive wall. I was plagued with insomnia. I could barely sleep at night. It was really hot. It was all August, the height of summer. And I had anxiety at a level that I hadn't had in a long time. I was scared of giving birth. I was really nervous about it. And I talked at length with my therapist about it. And we both kind of realized that my fear of giving birth would be reconciled by giving birth, which was not satisfying. But I did have an incredible birthing experience and feel very satisfied now on the other side. But That anxiety and the incredible challenge that I had in the third trimester was more than I was anticipating. I completely dropped off a cliff in terms of business productivity. And also, I had this sense, and it was something that I just had to follow in my bodily awareness, but I needed to become very internal and take rest. My body was telling me that I needed to shore up whatever energy stores it could muster before going into the fall with both a newborn and a toddler. So I cut my plans in half yet again. And I only got through three months of the interview prepping for my maternity leave before I had to call it quits. And I waddled around, got to the pool a couple of times, and then headed into the birthing season. In retrospect, now it's been almost a year later, I wish that I had taken the August vacation that I was craving a year ago. 
And that is one of the reasons why I did it this year. I think consistency is so, so important, but listening to your body and honoring the cycle of your physical self is also important. Maybe even more important, you can be consistent and consistently take breaks. That's real and that's important. Let me dwell on that for a second. Television shows routinely show, they do like 13 episodes or 22 episodes and we keep coming back. And then when they go offline, remember in the 90s when they went offline for Christmas break or the summer holiday, what did we do? We watched reruns and then we came back for our favorite seasons. Making great content is more important than consistency. And consistency is great, but you don't have to be a masochist about it. For me, I somehow got this idea that I had to do every Monday until forever. I think I've even said it on this podcast. If you don't see me on a Monday, something's wrong. No, I no longer believe that you should work double hard just to take a vacation. You do not need to work twice as hard in order to deserve or take a rest. We can stop our work, put our pencils down, recharge, and then come back to pick it up again when we're back from the break. If you don't agree with me, that is okay. We can differ here. Even if the data show that consistency is better and showing up every single week is technically more profitable, I think there's a key element here that's important, and that is product founder fit and just human beings. If making more money and working endless hours is making you miserable or you don't want to do it, you don't have to get the highest dollar value or the most productivity or the perfect graph. You can let that anxiety culture and overwhelm culture go and create a business that works for you and the type of life that you want to live. All right. (laughs) What that means for me is I try really hard to unplug for the weeks that my kids are off of school. We take a break for Thanksgiving. We take a break for Christmas in America. And then I also am planning my future business around taking a week of leave for the spring break and at the end of the school year, maybe even more for the summer. And then as a family, we take off the month of August. We take a month off to rest and to recharge. And I mean, it's complicated when you're a parent because there's a whole lot of parenting work that happens, which is not necessarily the kind of Bermuda vacation that maybe my 20-something-year-old self would be daydreaming about. But we leave work behind in order to live the lives and do the things we want to do, or at least just have a different rhythm and a pattern break. So if I can look back with a little bit of hindsight, I ran the second year of Startup Pregnant doing too much, even though I had cut a ton of stuff off of my to-do list and I had tried to cut my business in half. Looking back, I'd wish I'd cut even more breaks into the schedule. To date, we've released 124 episodes so far. We've had more than 50 guests join us on the show, which means I have read more than 50 books cover to cover, including all of the detailed research and time it takes to get to know them, whether or not it's listening to their podcast or reading their work on the internet or reviewing their history and their multiple books. We wrote two and a half mini books. We launched and led a mastermind across my maternity leave. And then another round when I came back from maternity leave, launched our business school, B-School affiliate program in February with Marie Forleo. And then I created in June a brand new course all about getting what you want and how to ask for and get what you want this summer. Suffice it to say, it has been a very full season of creation and it is time to step back a little. So here we are. I'll be honest, I spent some time this summer thinking about stopping this podcast. Every entrepreneur I know goes through a dip like this, and it's usually between the two-year and the four-year mark. 
Making consistent content is really hard in the first six to 12 months because you are figuring out the process, the creative process, the production process. You're putting yourself out there. You're overcoming imposter syndrome. You're learning. You're testing. You're iterating. But then you get the hang of it and you're having fun and a year goes by and then the question comes up, which is, what does it look like to keep going? How long do I go? When does it end? What do you do when you lose your way? The third year of business is when a ton of businesses fail. The founder runs out of energy or steam. You don't have enough traction. You're unable to make ends meet or you're just so tired that you don't want to keep going. This is very common, and I work with a lot of people on it, and I knew it was coming, and it still kind of surprised me when it happened. I will say that doing this while making babies ups the ante a little bit because you're so tired from the enormous amount of physical work that your body is undergoing. And regardless of whether or not you have physically built the baby with your own body, if you are adopting, if you are using a surrogate, if you are becoming a parent for the first time, it is tiring to take care of children and small humans for never-ending amounts of time. The other thing that routinely kills businesses is not knowing what the end game looks like. I'm a big believer in knowing where you are going and what the end game is, even when you start, even if the plans don't go according to plan, having a plan for what the end looks like can be incredibly important. When you can say, okay, what does it look like when our contract ends? Or what does it look like to dissolve our partnership? Or what does it look like when we record 100 episodes of the podcast? Or is this a capsule project and we're doing only 100 interviews and then we're ending? For me, I've had two endings in mind. The first is that I wanted to have 100 conversations. I wanted to do 100 interviews with women because I wanted to make sure to capture enough stories about motherhood to start seeing the patterns. The other barometer I said, and this is internal, is that I will stop having these conversations when it feels like we're repeating ourselves. I want to keep having these conversations as long as we're uncovering new and interesting insights, when we're telling new stories about motherhood, when we're uncovering and unpacking ideas that need more space to be expressed. There's an incredible depth of voices that need to be heard when it comes to parenting, raising children, being a woman, being a female, being a femme, being a femp, being a parent, being non-gendered, being non-binary, being anything that is not necessarily traditional or prototypical in this culture or not shown in the media as much. There's so many stories we have to uncover, and there's a long history of stories we just haven't told. We have shoved motherhood into the background, or we've painted a picture about what it's supposed to look like, or we've told women to be quiet and to be silent, or we've told minorities to be quiet or to be silent. And we need to push our elbows out, stand up tall, and make a lot of fucking space. So we're not done having these conversations. We're not there yet. We might be close on this particular podcast. This podcast may need to come to a chapter close after 100 interviews. I am not sure yet. But all I know right now is that we're not there yet. And we have more things to bring to this incredible group of people that listens to this podcast. So I am going to take my time and sit on this question. It's not easy to live into the questions. And it doesn't feel comfortable to not have an answer. When I ask the question, what's next? I have a lot of things I can say, a lot of things I can share with you, but the bigger umbrella of what's next, I still have some uncertainty. I still do not know all of the things that are happening next. And that has always been true for my life in so many different ways. So I'm going to take my time. What I want from you, if you're listening, I would love, love to hear from you. 
send us an email. What is the most useful thing that Startup Pregnant has done for you, your business, or your life? What is it that you would love to see us at Startup Pregnant build? And are you planning on joining us for any of our programs, our B-School program, our Mastermind program, or any of our courses in the school? Or if you're saying, whoa, record scratch, wait, sir, I don't know anything about those things. What are those things? Do you want to know more about any of these programs? I'm looking forward to telling you so much more about what we are building. We have the next year-long horizon coming up. We know where we're going, but inside of that and surrounding it and encompassing it is also the question of what's next. How does this expand? How does this contract? Where do we grow? Where do we pause? There's so many questions that come up like this as a founder. I am beyond grateful to get to be able to share it with you as I build it and to take time to show you inside the business building that's happening. It's an honor to be with you every week. I'm so glad to be back. Thanks for listening. And we will see you again on the next episode. Thanks everyone for listening. And if you found this episode useful, valuable, and informative, I have a few more episodes that you might appreciate that talk a little bit more about issues that we brought up today. Go back in time all the way to episode number two for our interview with Annie Dean and looking at how we can design flexible workplaces that make more sense for parents and families. Or if you're fired up, check out episode number 23 with Sarah Lacey of Chairman Mom where she talks all about overthrowing the patriarchy and why there may be a power or political agenda behind not granting paid leave policies. If you want to dive into more on the conversation about race, social justice, and getting politics into your business and what that looks like, check out episode 36 with Tepsi. Two more that you might like include Planning Ahead for Maternity Leave as an Entrepreneur, episode number 65 with Ariana Taboada. And episode number 75, we talk about what it looks like to transition back to work after a career break with Rita Kakati Shah. Because oftentimes when faced without time or paid leave, you need to plan ahead for your own maternity leave and figure out a way to make it work. That's what Ariana talks about in episode number 65. But sometimes you take a break and it ends up being one or two or three years and you realize, how do I get back into my work life if that's where I am today? Take a listen to episode number 75 if that's you. I will put all of these links into the show notes and you can always find the episode number either by scrolling through your podcast player and looking for the episode number or you can go to startuppregnant.com and then type backslash 065075002, whatever the number is that I just listed, enter the three sequence number onto our website and you can find our episodes. If you want to browse through all the episodes we've done, you can go to startuppregnant.com slash archive and see everything that we've put forward and put out to date. Thanks for listening, everyone. And you know, I always say this and I mean it. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like our show. It takes a few seconds and it really does help us a lot. 
If you want more of what we're talking about, go over to startuppregnant.com and get on our email list. We send out a weekly newsletter with time-saving tips for parents and entrepreneurs. And I always include a weekly gadget or tool or something awesome that we've stumbled upon to help make your life just a little bit easier. And as always, you can reach out to us at hello at startuppregnant.com. We love hearing from you.